0: So I'm going to open this sermon in a way that I don't know if I've ever opened a sermon in this way before. So I'm going to read an entire chapter of the Bible to you guys. So uh, sit back, relax, and listen to the smooth baritone of Andy Turner (laughs) as we dive into this oh-so-familiar story in Daniel chapter... 6. It says this beginning in verse 1. It pleased Darius. Darius is a new king in Daniel. We've, we've, we've listened to, or we've heard about Nebuchadnezzar up to this point, but, but a lot has changed since Nebuchadnezzar was in power. In fact, the Babylonians aren't even in power anymore. The Persians are now in power. And there's a king by the name of Cyrus, who evidently has appointed King Darius to oversee the region of Babylon. We don't know a whole lot about what all is taking place here, and it's so fun to me why we don't know. The reason we don't know a whole lot about what's taking place here is because Daniel didn't think it was important to tell us. He had a different message that he was trying to communicate, and this is just like a little bit of a side detail here. But it says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them, to the administrators, so that the king might not suffer loss, so that his kingdom might not look bad. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom, like making him a prime minister of sorts. And at this, the administrators and the satraps, they, they tried to figure uh, out, to, to find grounds For charges against Daniel, they were jealous against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Then verse 5, and this is such a huge... So finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel... Unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Wow. So these administrators and satraps, they went as a group to the king and said, May Darius, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed. They said this to Darius, and obviously that's a big fat lie, but they said, We have all agreed that the king should issue an edict. And enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, keep that in mind, next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, except to you, King Darius, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, verse 10, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had always done before. But then these men who were likely camping outside Daniel's home, they they went as a group, and they found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that ne- during the next 30 days? Anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown, thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, well, well, yes, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. And then they said to the king, Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah. Maybe you remember him, maybe you don't. I mean, you just appointed him as one of these three administrators over all of us. But he's one of these exiles from Judah. He pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. And when the king heard this, he realized that he had been trapped and he was greatly distressed. And he was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. But then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember your majesty, remember that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order to put Daniel, or, or the, and the, uh, they, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den, or the lion's pit, essentially. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, May he rescue you. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of this pit, this den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of the nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. It was irreversible. Then the king returned to his palace and he spent the entire night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. And so at the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near to the lions, then he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you. Your majesty. And the king was overjoyed, and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And Daniel was lifted from the den, and no wound was found on him. Why? Because he had trusted in his God. And now here's the part. Here's the part that we generally stop during VBS. You know, like like Daniel comes up out of the lion's den, and it's just this big happy story, big happy ending. But the story actually continues in verse 24. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in the earth May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of the kingdom, People must, out of fear, must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed, his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. That's the story of Daniel and the Lion's den. And I, you know, throughout this entire series, we've looked at these different stories in the book of Daniel. And I believe that the one that we just read might might just be the most famous of them all. But there's one thing that amazes me about this story. There's many things that amaze me about this story. One primary thing that amazes me about this story is this. We are just a few pages removed from Daniel chapter one. In Daniel chapter 1, Daniel was a teenager who was taken from his home in Judah and brought to Babylon. Now in Daniel chapter 6, nearly 75 years have passed. Daniel is now an old man, a 90-year-old man. Whenever he was 15, he was taken out, and now he He's he's under this rule of Darius and Cyrus as a well-seasoned, well-learned, continually faithful man of 90 years old. For 75 years, Daniel has been living as an exile in Babylon. He's been forced to make a home in a place that was not his home. He's been forced to, to, to learn to live in a place that was constantly attempting to reorient his values to re-educate him from his monotheistic worldview of a Jewish man and to the polytheistic worldview of the Babylonians. For 75 years, 75 years, day in and day out, Daniel has, has daily determined to not defile himself. You remember that from Daniel 1, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8? Daniel determined to not defile himself as a 15-year-old, and now we see him 75 years later as a 90-year-old, continuing to daily determine to not defile himself as as he lived in a culture that attempted to shape him and his friends into its own image, to force them to believe like they believed, to act like they acted, to think how they thought and to live how they lived for 75 years years can we take a moment and just acknowledge just how long 75 years really is three months ago today on march 26th i know i know i know i turned 40 years old thank you thank you (laughs) some of you you hear that he turned 40 years old and you're like Oh, he's still just a pup. I can remember turning 40 years old. Others of you, you hear that he's 40 years old, that I'm 40 years old, and you're like, that dude is ancient. I can't even begin to imagine turning 40 years old. But think about it. For nearly twice as long as I've been alive, Daniel lived as an exile, as a slave, and Babylon. Let me put it this way. 77 years ago this year, World War II ended. 75 years ago this year, the Cold War began. 75 years ago this year, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. In the past seven, 75 years, 12 humans have stepped foot on the moon. We've gone through a civil rights movement. 75 years ago, we lived in a land of segregation. We've seen the desegregation of a land in the last 75 years. In the last 75 years, In God We Trust was adopted as the national motto. Alaska and Hawaii have not even been states for 75 years. JFK, MLK have been assassinated in the last 75 years. Ronald Reagan had an assassination attempt along with numerous others. In the last 75 years, we've been able to experience Elvis and Beatles mania. We've gone through Watergate. We've seen the creation of the Super Bowl in the last 75 years, which our Kansas City Chiefs have won two of (laughs) You've seen the Korean War, the Vietnam War, Bill Gates and Microsoft, Steve Jobs and Apple, the entire technological revolution. September 11th, can you believe it's been 21 years? September 11th, the mortgage bubble and recession of 2008. And so, 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 so much more. Like, I went through and I I just went to Wikipedia and said, hey, Wikipedia, tell me, what all has happened in the last 75 years? Do you know how many thousands of things have happened in the last 75 years? Thousands of things that are of note that have taken place in the last 75 years? I don't know if I'm doing a good job describing this or not, but 75 years is not an insignificant amount of time. I just want us to be able to grasp how long this really is because I want us to learn and I, want us, I don't want us to just skim by the fact that Daniel for 75 years has daily determined to not defile himself as he's living as an exile in Babylon. By this point, Daniel has worked under four different kings and he's now serving in his second different kingdom. He has faced change after change after change, yet he has remained faithful. He has faced opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to just give in, to just conform a little bit, to just compromise a little bit, to no longer be the ire of those around him, to make his own life so much easier. Yet he remained faithful. And so what I would like to do for the rest of our time together this morning is I I want us to look at what true, faithful, what true faithfulness looks like. What true faithfulness looks like in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6. And so I have three things, old school three-point sermon today. Let's get ready to go. If you, you, in your, on your bulletins, you actually have some, some note space on the back of it if you're interested in actually remembering these. Um, you can write them down. Number one, true faithfulness is active and it's recognized by those around us. True faithfulness is active, and it's recognized by those around us. True faithfulness moves from the private to the public. Think about this. Whenever Daniel was in Babylon, the cross had not even been created yet. And so Daniel didn't even have the opportunity to put a gold cross around his neck to show the world that he was a Christian. Daniel did not have an automobile. And so Daniel did not even have the opportunity to put a Joy FM sticker on his bumper (laughs) and a Jesus fish right next to it to tell the world that he was a Christian. The Got Milk campaign was centuries and millennial away. So there were no t-shirts that said, got Jesus, that, that Daniel was able to wear to be able to show where his allegiance lies. You got that, right? I, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of those things. Those things are fine. Those are things that we have at our disposal. But if that's the extent that our faith is public then we must question how active our faith really is. True faithfulness is is more than just saying we love Jesus. True faithfulness is proving that we love Jesus in the way that we live our lives and in the way that we love others. True faithfulness is wise. True faithfulness is discerning. It is not hot tempered or easily angered. True faithfulness is compassionate and empathetic. True faithfulness stands on truth, the truth, the truth of the Word of God, and it is not defined by, by the, and, and not truth that is defined by the culture around us, but it's truth that is defined by Jesus. True faithfulness is, is willing to, to quickly admit their mistakes known up to their own failures. True faithfulness is in tune with the Spirit and constantly being shaped by, by the convictions of the Spirit within us. True faithfulness tests everything. True faithfulness is active. And it is recognized by those around us. Daniel, he he had been around for a long, long time. And many of these satraps and and possibly even some of the other administrators, they felt like the time had passed him by. You have this group of of younger, up-and-coming men who who, who are wanting that position of power that continually just seemed to go towards Daniel. And they were so frustrated, they were so jealous that, that Daniel just constantly seemed to stand in the way. And so they gathered together. I don't know how many of them. I don't believe it was all 120. I don't believe that both of the other, you know, administrators got there. I think that these guys were full of smoke whenever they said that all of us have got together and all of us agree. I think that's one of the biggest lies that that they could ever tell. But I know that there was probably a big group of them who got together and they came up with a story, a way to conspire to get rid of Daniel. And their plan was really pretty simple. One. Let's manipulate a king's pride. And two, let's pray on Daniel's faithfulness. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a group of people trying to get rid of you? And the first thing that comes to their mind is let's make their faithfulness to their God illegal. What an incredible reputation that Daniel Had If we want to get rid of Daniel, all we have to do is make praying to his God illegal. But this was the theme that Daniel's life had led up to. This is the result of a lifelong commitment and faithfulness all going in the same direction. A determination to not defile themselves. I love this quote by Craig Rochelle, and I know I've shared it here before. But he says we overestimate what God wants to do through us in the short term, but we underestimate what God can do through us through a life of continual faithfulness. Daniel lived that life of continual faithfulness that shows that true faithfulness is active. True faithfulness is noticeable and it will be recognized by those around us. So that's number one. True faithfulness is active and will be recognized by those around us. Number two, true faithfulness remains strong even when consequences are dire. True faithfulness remains strong even when consequences are dire. True faithfulness remains constant in the face of dire consequences. When this law was put into place and the lion's den was staring Daniel in the face, when he knew the schemes and the plans of the conspiring satraps and the trap that had been put in place for him, Daniel left and he went to his room just like he had always done. He opened his window towards Jerusalem, just like he had always done. And he got down on his knees three times a day and began to pray, just like he had always done. And maybe we just need to to, to accept this. Maybe Daniel just really wanted to go to the lion's den, right? Maybe. I highly doubt it. Instead, I, I believe that that it kind of just came down to this, that Daniel believed, if if it comes down to going to the lion's den or being faithful to my God, then to the lion's den, I will go. It reminds me so much of of what we read about with the early church leaders, especially in those first four, five, six chapters of the book of Acts. You can read about Peter and John and the time that they spent in prison, the time that they spent praying, all the things that they were continually, continually facing the the, the threats that they were facing, the threats of, you better stop speaking in that name. They wouldn't say the name of Jesus. They just said, you better stop speaking in that name. And the response of the early church was so clear, and it was so simple, and it was what I hope and pray that our response would be as well. The response was this. We must obey God rather than man. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John have just been released from prison. And as they join with the other believers to pray, I love this so much. Their prayer is not for safety. Their prayer is not for success in their ministry. Their prayer is not for a bigger church. You want to know what their prayer was for? Great boldness. Isn't that incredible? Their prayer as persecution is everywhere was, God, please don't let us chicken out. God, please help us to stand strong. Don't let us get scared, but let us be bold in the face of opposition because true faithfulness, it remains strong. It remains steadfast. It remains constant, even when consequences are dire. And number three, final one, True uh, true faithfulness will determine to not defile itself. It goes all the way back to that commitment that Daniel made in Daniel chapter 1. True faithfulness will determine to not defile itself. I mean, think about this. Decree that Darius put in place, it was not a decree from, from this day forward, right? It was a decree for 30 days. Do you know how easy it would be to justify 30 days of praying in secret? Of not doing the things that you have been known to do? Of changing the way that your faithfulness to God looks? Do you know how easy it would be to say, God, I I believe you can use me more here on earth. And so if I go to the lion's den, then I'm a dead man. So so for 30 days, I'm going to pray in a different way. I'm gonna pray in a different place. And I'm afraid that if Daniel came, if that was the decision that he made, and if he came and stood here on this platform and said, you know, they told me not to pray for 30 days or I'd be thrown in the lion's den. And so with the lion's den, you know, staring me in the face, I decided that instead of praying with my window open towards Jerusalem, that I would find a safer place to pray. That I wouldn't pray out in public. I wouldn't wouldn't pray in the places that I'd always pray. But I I would change my faith. And, And whenever he would say that, we would say, that makes sense. That makes sense. I get it, Daniel. It's just 30. It's just 30 days. He could have easily justified it. But seven and a half decades earlier, He had determined to not defile himself. Think about this. Don't you know over the course of 75 years that there were days that Daniel just didn't feel like praying? But he was determined. Daniel worked some pretty high profile jobs. Don't you know there were times and seasons whenever he was so far in over his head? He was so busy. But Daniel was determined. Don't you know as he's being tossed and turned and thrown from kingdom to kingdom and king to king that there were times over the course of 75 years that Daniel just didn't understand what God was doing? Don't you know that there had to be a time whenever he had questions about? Really, this is what you have me here. This is what you want me. What? I mean, what? God, what? God, you ever been there? Like, 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 like you're trying to. I don't even. God, I don't even know how to ask you what you're doing. Like, I don't even understand enough to even be able to begin to ask you. What are you thinking? Seventy-five years, but he was determined to not defile himself. He was determined to remain faithful. So church, come on. Today, today, can we determine to, to not defile ourselves? Today, can we determine to do more than say that we love Jesus, but to prove it in the way that we live our lives and in the way that we love others? Today, can we, can, can, can we determine to allow the fruit, of, the fruit of the Spirit to be evident within us? Can we determine to love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control? Today, church, can you do this? Can you determine to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you? Can you do that? Today, can can, can you determine to forgive those who don't deserve forgiveness, but to forgive because God through Christ has forgiven you? Can you determine to do that? Today in the climate in which we live, can you determine to be to be a peacemaker? In a land where peace is becoming more and more difficult to find? Today, can, can, can we determine to be quick to listen and slow to speak? And slow to become angry? Can you do that? Can you determine before you just fire off your post on Facebook? Before you just decide, I am going to torch this bridge of this relationship on fire. You know, before you make that decision... Can you run your thoughts through the fruit of the Spirit to see if your post is really necessary? Before you go and have conversations and burn bridges, can can you determine to run your conversations and run your thoughts through the fruit of the Spirit to see if it's really necessary? Can we determine today to be full of truth while also being full of grace? Can we determine today to be people of compassion just as Jesus has been compassionate? Can we determine to be people who forgive just as God is through Christ has forgiven us? Can we determine to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in this hurting and this broken world? Can we determine today to allow the resurrection of Jesus Christ to be the foundation of our lives? Even when, especially when, something else rises up and tries to take its place because there is nothing that this world needs more and there's nothing that we need more than the hope of the resurrection of jesus There is so much that we can learn from Daniel and his friends. Daniel, at the very beginning, determined to not defile himself, and now here is an old man. His determination remained, and it's amazing what can happen through the life of one who is determined to be faithful, who lives a life of continual faithfulness. Just think what could happen in a church that determines to do the same. As the world tries to pull you in a hundred different ways, As the world tries to force you to take a hundred different stands, may we determine to stand with Jesus. With an active faithfulness. With a constant faithfulness. With a determined faithfulness. In 2019, some of the, the guys on staff and I had an opportunity to go to a Catalyst conference in Atlanta, Georgia. And one of the coolest things that I've, I've been able to see at a conference like that is Andy Stanley, is, which is a preacher that I love. I don't know if that makes you love me or hate me, but that's the truth, so. He, he, he got up and he interviewed his dad. Many of you might know his dad, Dr. Charles Stanley. In Touch Ministries have been around forever. Charles Stanley has, has been a preaching the gospel faithfully for ever. And there was this one quote. I don't remember a ton about the interview. I remember that I laughed a lot. I remember that I almost started crying But I remember this thing that Charles Stanley, if he said it once, you were there. If he said it once, he probably said it 15 times, 20 times. Every chance he could. Every chance he could. And it was this. Obey Obey God and leave the consequences to him. Obey God and leave the consequences to him. Obey God and leave the consequences to him. The only way you will be able to determine to not defile yourself, the only way that you will be able to live a life of continual faithfulness is to obey God and leave the consequences to Him. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you for hope. And Father, I pray right now that you will begin to speak to our lives, that you'll reveal to us in our hearts, God, that we will not ignore the the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but that we will will recognize and we will be moved by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that we will recognize the places in our lives that do not line up with the continual faithfulness that you desire from us. God, please give us humility so we can hear you. Please, Jesus, give us humility so that we can hear you. Drown out the noise around us so we can hear the still, small whisper of your spirit in our souls. Oh, Jesus, make us more like you. Jesus, give us a faith, a faith that is active, A faith that can face trials and a faith that is determined. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Right now.